As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. Ari, got a good show today in a bit. We're going to dive into the week that was in recruiting, review the noteworthy commitments, going to dip into the mailbag, have a trivia question. But first, we have a guest, and Ari, this is our first guest on Stars Matter who is not a colleague of ours at The Athletic. We've had many guests. First time we've gone outside of the family. Former colleague of mine, though, at Athlon Sports, and a good friend, Braden Gall. Braden is the owner of 440 Sports, a podcast network in Nashville that covers sports around town and around the SEC as well. But Braden is not here to talk about Nashville sports. <laughs> Earlier in his career, before he joined me at Athlon, Braden worked at Rivals.com and was around during the early years of what we kind of now refer to as the modern era of recruiting. So we're going to talk about his time at Rivals and kind of what it was like to be on the ground floor. So first of all, Braden, welcome to Stars Matter. It, it is a crowning achievement of my life. Uh, it is an honor mm-hmm. to be here with both of you, handsome and proud gentlemen. Uh, it is wonderful to be here. I, I'm honored and happy to be here. Well, thank you, sir. Um, I guess just start off. Tell us. I know you have a radio background. Obviously, you're in the podcast business now. And while you worked at Rivals, you were you on the Rivals radio side, and, and just what was it like to be on the ground floor of you know? It, it's hard for us now. And, 2022 to kind of think you know what recruiting was like back then but what was it what was it like back then the energy around you know the the industry it it was so i started in july of 2005 at rivals.com in nashville where where it was headquartered the guys who launched it of course if you know the background they had launched it as a as a uh, essentially an ad-based model it failed they came back with a sub model and it and it took off and it worked. And in 2005, in January, they launched Rivals Radio, which was college football and recruiting. And it was the only national college football radio show in the history of the world. Like we, we kind of started it. We went from 10 hours of content a week to 24 hours of content a week. And it was just serious, like 123. It wasn't even serious XM. It hadn't even merged yet. And we were the only people doing that. We were sort of recruiting adjacent, but I learned so much about the business. And to your point, the energy, it was a lot of young mid-20s making very little money, just super excited about a business that was exploding because people could not get enough of the message boards and the digital content and the updates. And live. this was like the heyday of live commitment ceremonies that were completely bonkers Like on National Signing Day. There was one National Signing Day and that was like our Super Bowl. We were there for like 22 hours of programming on National Signing Day. So it was a lot of chaos, a lot of fun energy. Like there's certain things like that would happen that I just can't even begin to explain to someone that make any sense at all. Like Vince Young's tape came in. And I remember when Vince Young's tape came in, like the whole office, we I worked back in this little video editing. Uh, what are we talking about when we say tape back then? Like a VHS tape? No, I mean, I get, well, it would have been probably a, a CD-ROM okay. for those that want to know okay. what that was. Um, I guess it would be a DVD. I don't know exactly what it, what it, what, how it physically showed up in the office, but we worked back with the radio studio was back in the video editing studio as well. So there were like four people back there 
at all times editing video to get up onto the server so that you could have as much footage of recruits as possible on the rivals.com server. And so it was just like four people head down editing film the entire day, like all the time. And we were back there with them. All of a sudden we start hearing this, you know, Oh my God, Vince Young, Vince Young, Vince Young. And like every single, like the, the bosses, the CEOs, the CFO, the CTO, people that have nothing to do with recruiting are all like back there. And there's like 40 of us all sitting around just like gawking at Vince Young's senior footage from his high school years. And at that point in 2005, he was about to go on his run to the Rose Bowl where he, you know, he beats USC and does his whole spectacular thing. And it was those kind of things that you're just like, man, why, how, how did I get this job? I'm 23 years old. I am yeah. making, I'm making zero money at all. But like we're, we're having like Big Mac eating contests while watching Vince Young's footage. And then on like Tuesday, like people will just drive to Tunica and we're like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> the, like the closest place you could gamble in 2005 to Nashville. Uh, it was very locker room. Um, I'm not going to say that we all used the right words and language <laughs> stuff. And it was very inappropriate for 2022, but uh, it was a lot of fun, a ton of energy, a lot of young people. And it, we felt like we were doing something new that hadn't really been done before. And we kind of, we kind of were at the time. What, who are some of the coaches that you guys dealt with early on that got it, that got recruiting and got that they could influence recruiting? Not that they would influence your rankings, but, you know, some so, so many coaches are so paranoid that, you know, close ranks, but then other coaches are very forthcoming with information. Did you guys see a lot of coaches who sense that, hey, this new company rivals, they do the rankings, they can work and I get them to work in my favor? Well, and I didn't have a ton of interaction with the coaches about recruiting because we did a ton of interviews with coaches on the air and that's where they couldn't talk about recruiting of course so the one that stands out is brian kelly when he was oh, at when he was at cincinnati he is the only coach in the history of rivals radio that booked himself so brian kelly would call me and my co-host at the time on our sunday morning show which was chris childers and he would call us because i was the producer at the time but i also co-hosted and he would call us and be like what time on sunday works for you this would be like on friday and he knew he, Cincinnati had a game on Saturday or whatever. And he'd be like, all right, 9.30 Sunday morning, we'll, we'll call in. And he would call in. And all he was doing was promoting Cincinnati football. Like that's what he was. He was building the brand. And so that was different. That was more of a PR thing that he got. Um, Ed Orgeron and Hugh Freeze famously came to the office Whoa. with with matching leather jackets that like had embroidered Ole Miss on the side. Hugh Freeze was, the, was his assistant, of course. They showed up in the office to build even deeper relationships because famously we, we all know Bruce's book about how, how obsessed yeah. coach O was with, with rankings. And so they showed up in the office one day, like on a Tuesday and just like introduced themselves to every single person, like the video editor to the CEO. They, they met everybody. They did some stuff for us on the radio side of things. And it was clear that he was there to like endear himself to the recruiting community and to learn about the process and how could I take advantage of this more. Otherwise, I think a lot of the relationships happened between person who ran site and coach in the market, right? There was a lot of relationships between the person who ran the Florida State site and at the time it would have been like Bobby Bowden's coaching staff. So like those two, that that is how uh, a lot of the relationships were built. I think every coach realized, especially the assistants, they better know the person running the rival site in their market. They better know them fast. And I think everybody figured that out. Like once the old guard sort of started to go away, Spurrier would be in that category. Bobby Bowden would be in that category. Philip Fulmer to some degree. Like when they started to kind of retire and this new internet wave of coaches came up, they all knew every, like they, they had, they were texting people that ran websites for rivals. And at the time scout was the top competitor. Those two, like if, if you didn't know those two people and you were the coach at Nebraska and you didn't know Sean Callahan, like you were behind the eight ball on, on how to like grow and learn about who, who, Nebraska, who, who's out there that you could go recruit eight minutes in. And I'm going to say my first words. Is that yeah, like this a, is, this a, is, a, we, need to have, we need to have, record? we need to have guests more often if we can keep our, Ari silence. For and this I was time. speeding on the highway to get back here on time. I didn't know I had another 20 minutes. You know what I mean, guys? Uh, <laughs> Who was the number one player in the country in the 2006 recruiting class in the rivals rankings? Do you remember? Oh, God. Um, that would be the first full class after your employment started. So, oh, God, you're putting me on the spot now. Because you're I'm, not going to be here for trivia, so I wanted to give you my own. Um, yeah. So 2000 and 
eight would have been Terrell Pryor. The question Matt, was 2006. Matt, Matt Barkley, 2000. And, I'm trying to work my way back. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Barkley. We've all done enough radio that we, we know how to stall when you don't know. You I don't know. I don't know, the, I don't know the answer, but what I'm trying you're to gonna, figure you're out. Gonna, you're going to be upset when I tell you. You ready? Could I work, could I work my way back I to it? I think you probably uh, could if you really gave yourself some time, but this is a podcast, so I'm going to hit the buzzer on you. <laughs> USC defensive end. I don't know. No, Percy Harvin. Oh, God. And he... Uh, there we go. So here's the top five, maybe even the top 10 of the right recruiting rankings back in your day. You know, and like, it's funny because I don't know how old you are, Brayden, but I'm starting to I'm get I'm a to man. The age, I'm 40. You know, uh, I'm starting to get to the age now where I feel like things are starting to feel like ancient history a little bit. Percy Harvin, Andre Smith, Beanie Wells, oh God, Gerald yeah. McCoy, Sergio Kendall, Matt Stafford, Vidal Hazelton, CJ Spiller, Alan Bradford. Um, Mitch Mustaine were the top 10. Where did Bradford go? He's the only one that Alan Bradford went to Penn State, right? Okay. He's the only that, that's a pretty good group. I mean, so, so of... here, here's what's fun. Like Vidal Hazelton was from, was he from Jersey Georgia. and went all the way out to yeah, Jersey, the USC? It, was, yeah. uh, it said Virginia on his profile, but I don't okay. know. Okay. But what's, um, what's, what's so weird, Ari, is that those 10, like that, I have such vivid memories of like now that I hear that list. Like that, that it's, you know how you hear a song and you're like, oh, that was, that was, comes back to me. That now. was like my junior year of high school. I heard that song by, you know, you know, Eagle Eye Cherry or whatever. And like, I hear that list and I have a very distinct memory of like who I was as a person. <laughs> so Brayden, now, now we know, you know, there's, there's multiple companies. There's two, four, seven on three. There's still rivals. ESPN does it. There's Ari and I talk about this a lot. We, we think probably the rankings are better than ever because there's more people doing it. There's more maybe football people doing it looking back. And now we just said that that 2005 group seemed to be a pretty good evaluation. There's some good players. How many people when you recall were, were actually doing the rankings and did you ever look at him as a guy who I know you, you played high school football and had some opportunities to play small college. You probably thought you, you knew the game pretty well. Did you look at like, who are these guys doing the rankings? Like, did, did you have any of that? No. Cause at the time it would have been, and I, I'll just, Mike Farrell, Jeremy Crabtree were like the top two guys that were sort of in charge of all of the editorial. And I, I just fell in love with like learning how to scout. Like I, like I, I fell in love with learning what traits are important for what positions. I was much better at evaluating skill talent. That's I played wide receiver. I think evaluating offensive line is still just imp- incredibly impossible. The hit rate for like the guys who get paid millions of dollars to draft these players in the NFL is still like 50, 50, so I, I think that's a really difficult position to evaluate. So, I mean, I can look at a guy's kick on a pass pro and be like, that's not good enough. Like I, but I, otherwise it's hard to, to really know. And even that list you talked about, like there's still some big busts on that list in the top 10 um, that didn't live up to the hype. So I, I think th- there was probably two main guys. And then there was this whole collection of sort of like sub editors that with it. And, and I think, the most important thing was that you were able to travel and go talk to people, talk to scouts, talk to coaches, talk to high school people, go talk to the players, go actually watch them in person, which I think is so much more important than just watching a highlight reel on the internet. And and I think that that part of it exploded from that point on. Like from 0304, it just exploded into what it is today where I, I, I agree. I think the evaluations we've gotten as an industry, we've gotten so much better at evaluating players, looking for the right traits. And frankly, I think you could argue this is bad for the athlete, but we know so much more about the player, the individual, the human being, all this stuff now. Again, maybe that's asking a 16-year-old to grow up too fast, but it's the nature of the business. The Big Ten is going to get $10 billion. You better, you better recruit players accurately. So... I, I think every every time we've got more people doing this, the better it's gotten. And you know, I've talked to to Barton Simmons about this a lot. Like they they feel like their hit rate gets better and better every year. Uh, obviously, he's out of the business now, but they thought that he he and I started at Rivals together back in '05. Tough cover on the basketball court, by the way. Oh, I really? Had, I always had to check him, and I could okay. not could not check Barton Simmons. It's a tall um, dude. It, yeah, and I'm I'm like I'm not small. Like I'm six one two thirty. Like I could. I 230, up, 235 i'd say well I, back then i was like 210 now i'm like okay. 230. um but I, like he, we, he and i started and then we would do interviews on when i when i was doing recruiting espn recruiting radio on sirius xm with tom luganville we'd have barton on and that was 10 years of like of, of, of evolution of covering high school recruiting and he would tell you today that we're better at it than ever before so i don't think i don't think we're 
we're ever going to go backwards in terms of our ability to evaluate. I think it's always going to be a slow kind of wheel turn of progress. Well, one thing, so the fact ahead, that you were, that you were, you know, there almost, I mean, I hate to say this to you, bud, but we're, we're coming up on 20 years here. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, does it ever surprise you how there are still people out there that don't respect what the rankings mean? Like we're still like we're 20 years of data into this, yeah. you know, and like there's people like kind of mock me for the stars matter movement. And like, I do think that it is kind of interesting that there's still some, some people out there that are just like, everybody's different. There's no way you can tell it's yeah, they're, exact science, all that stuff. Yeah. They're all Iowa fans. Um, I, I think, <laughs> no, no, I agree. I call them the flat earthers. Like I, they're flat. There's people that think the, the world is flat and they also think recruiting doesn't matter. And I, I and there's a picture of the earth. You right. right. <laughs> we I, have a I, photo of it. <laughs> I, I think what's interesting is less and less and less and less. Like I remember writing an article for and it's hard because a lot of my evidence of this is anecdotal. Like I'll I'll do a, I'll do a radio segment where I'll just be like, I can't believe you people don't understand that recruiting matters. And I'll get one old guy who clearly is on like a rotary phone calling the show and he's like, Well, what are you talking about? It's all about development and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's how you frame it. And I've kind of learned how to uh, like frame it in a way that it's really hard to argue against, which is that to me, individual athletes are an inexact science. A analyzing one sure. specific individual athlete is an inexact science. There's going to be a, a probability that that is an accurate evaluation or not. At, at quarterback, it's this percent. At running back, it's this percent. At wide receiver, it's this percent. At five stars, it's this percent, whatever. But you cannot argue with the team rankings. You cannot argue mm -hmm. the team rankings. They, like, sure, there's going to be a miss on a on a football player. Like, you're going to miss. It happens again. NFL general general managers get paid millions of dollars to make decisions evaluating talent, and they screw it up every single year. So to tell me that that is supposed to be some exact science, I think is so short sighted. But when you look at the team rankings, there is no denying that you have to be in the top fifteen basically to make the playoff. Only four teams, I think, uh, only three teams, I think, have ever been outside of the top 15 on average and made the playoff. That was Washington, Michigan State, and Cincinnati. Of every team that's won the national championship or even played in the national title game, you have to be in the top 10. I think Clemson, when they won it one year, they had like an average recruiting ranking of like 12th. And that's like the only team in the last decade that's won a national title that, that didn't have a top 10 on average recruiting class. Like the team rankings are just, it's just fact at this point. Yeah. The world is round. Climate change is real. Like, deal with it. Recruiting rankings matter. Like, well, it's me, a thing. So. Let me ask you this, just because of, of who was the best high school tape you ever watched? So I, I it used this, to be a thing. Remember, Mitch, like yeah, back in the day, yeah. there was no YouTube. Like we no. needed rivals. We needed these these websites to watch highlight tapes. And I almost feel like the art of the highlight tape is kind of going away a little bit. It's not like it used to be. But like, which tape did you just like go, oh, my God. So the the best player that I ever quote unquote covered because technically Adrian Peterson and Vince Young were recruits before I got into the business. So they technically, I've seen those tapes. Those are probably two of the best. They're probably the two best high school tapes I've ever seen. Vince Young and Adrian Peterson. But I didn't technically cover those players as recruits coming out of coming out of high school. The best college, like the best prospect I ever saw, I've ever seen since '05 when I started this till let's say today. And I would argue the last three or four years I haven't paid as much attention. Andrew Luck is the best prospect I think I've ever seen. Like I don't like it, 6'4", 245 pounds, four six forty with a brain that's like a rocket scientist. Like I just have never seen anybody pro he's a super super processor, like an Intel five chip in his brain, built like John Elway. And I've just never seen anybody that just did all the things that he could do. And I want to say he was like the third or fourth rated quarterback in that class. I'm I'm just guessing here. I want to say he was like a fringe top 50 player, but still a very highly touted prospect. So we 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 as a as a group didn't miss on Andrew Luck. He was very highly recruited um, out of Texas, going to going to Stanford. So he's probably the one that I would just go, my God, like that guy is just on a different planet. But you have to you had to also understand his processing ability to sort of see the the genius of his his athletic ability too. But Adrian Peter, like just pure, like just run, we, running over we, dudes in high school. Can we Adrian cuss on this Peterson? show? I don't know if I can cuss. Yeah, on you yes. can cuss. Like cuss. you, you put on tape of Adrian Peterson and Vince Young, and you just go, "Holy shit!" Like that is, like that is just off the charts level of just physicality and athleticism that like normal humans don't have. Do you I think remember the quarter? 
Oh, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I think it turned out that that was accurate with those two guys. So, Can you name the quarterbacks that Rivals have listed ahead of Andrew Was this Luck? 2009 class? Is that it's correct? The 2000, uh, 2009 class. So, Barkley? No, this is the 2008 class. Excuse me. So, Terrell, so Terrell Pryor would have been number one. Yeah. Which would have been also the same year of Julio Jones and, and A.J. Green. So, they would have been top That's three right. players. Top five players. Um, uh, I, I honestly I don't know. I want to say he was like Just the third the or fourth. Was he like the third uh, or fourth rated quarterback? Fourth, fourth rated quarterback. So uh, it's actually now that I'm looking at it, it's fifth. Christian Hackenberg. I don't know. Okay, you got Mike Lennon. Oh wow. God, Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> um, Gabbert was a big recruit. Yeah, Dane Christ. Oh, Kansas EJ, great. EJ Manuel. I, I I always said Dane Christ was just one H short of being a good player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was the number 68 overall player in the class by rivals that year. So he was the. Uh, I should have listened to you, Braden. Well, so by that time, I had already moved to Athlon and launched the Athlon version of what is now the 24 7 sports. Yeah. Pop, Ari, you don't know this. Braden invented the consensus. The, I, mean, I, the, I invented it. The yeah. 247 composite, I mean. When he was uh, working for us at Athlon, you know, we didn't, we couldn't do <laughs> recruiting. Um, you know, we didn't have the staff to do it. And Braden was just come, kind of would do whatever we asked him to do as a younger employee. And he had a recruiting background. So he's like, okay, there's all these services. Maybe I'll just take them, all these rankings and average them together and we'll call them the Athlon composite. So we did that. No, 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 no. no? Okay. You tell the, okay. it was, it's called, it was called the Athlon consensus. consensus. 100. Yeah. Okay, the yeah. AC 100. We, we attempted some, some weak branding there for a, <laughs> couple, for a couple of years. Um, no, I am I am the Winklevoss of the 24-7 composite. I invented it, and 24-7 had better tech and they were smarter, so they stole it from me and made it better, which is they're the Mark Zuckerberg. I am the Winklevoss twins of the recruiting rankings. I have told this to Barton before, and I've said to him, like, dude, I, I invented this thing. And we were doing it for probably three or four yeah. years, maybe Did even you five years. It because you couldn't use any of their brands, so that this is a way to... No, we we had rivals. I th or we had Scout, maybe Mitch. Yeah, we officially... used Scout. All, all those places, they're happy to quote yeah. unquote give us at Athlon their rank because it's good pub for them. So like, but Brain just had the idea. Hey, let's let's combine. Let's average them all out together. You get so. no royalties. Of course not. Are you kidding? That's twenty four. We know the people that run twenty four seven used to run twenty four seven sports. Um, no, here's what like I just wanted a more accurate ranking because I knew. Yeah, like I respected everybody's sort of opinion, and what's what's weird yeah. is who was involved in that. It was we 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 combined Scout Rivals, ESPN, and at the time there was a company called Prep Stars. Yes, and Prep Stars put out a like an actual magazine of like a physical magazine of all these recruits, and so I would take those four lists, average them together, and then come up with our consensus 100, which we published on the website. We went and got video for it. We put it yeah. in the magazine for years. Which completely removes yeah. the, in, the the theory that you have. And then I've shared with you of individual recruitments can be right or wrong. You miss on guys, you don't. But if you average everything together, you know, you're, you're basically removing the, the potential of, you know, misrating a guy. And there's still consensus five-star prospects that aren't right. very good. Right. But over the course of years and classes, the averages come together and the and the math just works out. So, you know, that, that you're ahead of your time, man. Should have uh, had the I've, Bradengall.com consensus. Well, and and I, I also learned at my time during Rivals and when I was traveling for Athlon, like shooting video, I went down to Texas one time and shot some video of like Chris Whaley and Jamarcus McFarlane and like all like Garrett Gilbert wouldn't give me an interview and because uh, it, like all this stuff at Lake Travis and and this whole deal. And it was pretty rudimentary. Like it was not exactly high tech and Athlon wasn't exactly high tech. And so we, it was kind of just, we just threw it together. Um, and I want to say that the composite list for 24 seven sports didn't come out until like when, like 2012, maybe 2013. Like, I don't know when the first year was, but it was years later. Um, and obviously I'm not bitter about it at all. So it's totally fine. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> no, I, it was, this was, and Braden knows me about like, if if it was my idea, or we came together in a meeting. I would say, but this was this was one hundred percent Braden's idea, and um, yeah, he was he was our, the recruiting guy back in the day. I, we're gonna let Braden go in a minute. Uh, he's got m many more, you know, other multimedia things going on in his his life in his day. But 
sort of a question for both you guys. The the only one of the negatives I think with all this information in these camps everywhere is like I, the the day of unearthing the hidden gem for the most part is gone. Like uh, Ari and I, we like to joke that Ari we discovered Jackson Dart a couple of years ago during the pandemic because he was like the lowest rated quarterback who was uncommitted, and then he went up. You know, Ari did a story on him. He went his rating went up that's not why he went his rating went up signed with usc now he's at Ole miss same thing with drew aller bill landis did a story when drew aller was just like a three-star maybe a four-star then he ended up being a five-star do you think those days are over of just the the guy who's at a small town in south carolina that nobody knows about and adding on it seems like the new frontier for that literally is is europe like you see these european kids Mm -hmm. come over and aren't evaluated as well um so that's like i i that used to be a fun part of recruiting back in the you know, maybe the early 2000s, even in later, it's just the, those hidden gems out there. I I don't think it's gone. I think it's much more difficult to be a hidden gem. But like you're this, this is what pisses me off about Super Bowl broadcasts where they're like, look, there's 106 players and like there's this many two stars yeah. and this many three stars. And you're like, yeah, but like do some like math and you understand why that there's like 3000 three stars every year. <laughs> So like it's still it's still there's still Josh Allen's right two star yeah. that goes to Kentucky that turns into a top ten pick there's still tons of those guys I would call this the Levante David phenomenon because I want to say it was Miami Northwestern yes in like 2000 I don't remember when um when they had seven dudes with Jacory Harris and like all these guys they had like seven guys signed Power Five scholarships Andy Staples and Bruce Feldman did a story on that that that. That class, that class at, at Miami Northwestern, because there was think. another class of like from like Glade Central that went like all of them went to like Florida or whatever, and there was like another six six dudes from that group. But the best player in that entire class, they had like top one hundred offensive linemen, top one hundred quarterback, top one hundred this, top one hundred that, and the best player on that team was Levante David, who ended up going to junior college, who was a two star who goes to Nebraska and ends up playing like I saw him at practice last week for the Buccaneers, still doing good things for the Buccaneers here in Nashville against the Titans at practice, and like. I still think there's tons of those guys, but it's just tougher to find them and it's tougher for them to get to the NFL. It's not because it's, I don't know that it's no tougher more. to find them. I think that the entire thing about being an under the rated under the radar player is lack of information. And now there's such an excess of information, an excess of film, an excess of accessibility to that information, and all those things where there aren't those guys that slip through the cracks anymore because there's no more cracks to slip through. And, and um, I, I, let me let me correct myself. I didn't mean like tougher to for us to find them. Yeah. Tougher for them to exist. Exist is, is kind of what I meant. Like it's just yeah. There's there's just not as many, but there's still plenty of guys that are two stars that end up playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the, because the guy that I was thinking of was mentioned quarterbacks like this Jackson Smolik who from Iowa who just committed to Penn State and he's a fast riser was a two lane commit. Maybe he'll pan out. Maybe he won't. But like I can't really call him under the radar he was at the elite 11 finals but he was just not not a guy that had a lot of offers and so i th- that's i enjoy that part of it watching these guys these late climbers in the class and um it just you know it's like like i said there's just there's almost no cracks to fall through anymore well and i i, I guess i could ask you guys this it, it like sam sam bradford was a three-star kid who like was not a highly recruited re- player goes to oklahoma throws 50 touchdowns wins a heisman plays in the national championship number one overall pick like I don't know how many more of like we had a lot we had an era of Ben Roethlisberger and Byron Leftwich and like yeah. all these guys that were hall potential like Big Ben of course a Hall of Famer on the NFL level I I don't know if we're gonna have too many more of those type of players like every now and then you're gonna get Josh Allen but like even Joe Flacco was a three star recruit yeah like G- Joe Flacco was a three star recruit who went to Pittsburgh first right he's not a Delaware. Like he didn't go to Delaware because no one recruited him. He went to mm-hmm. an ACC school or a Big East school at the time. Yeah. So I just don't know if we're gonna have like there's there's very few of the the tri- like Tony Romo's right e- Eastern Illinois kind of like for every Garoppolo, almost every big name player in the NFL at quarterback is gonna end up being a guy who got a lot of good offers. Yeah, I mean definitely something to monitor going forward too, especially you know with all these camps out there. So. Well, Braden, we uh, know you got to run. Appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate the the look back. It's always fun. Anytime you can just pull up a, a list from 2005 or 2007, it's a it's a trip down memory lane for all of us. So uh, thanks for coming on. Stars matter. And, appreciate uh, it, bud. We'll, we'll yeah, talk I, to you soon. I, I do miss the uh, the wild signing day announcements. That has changed. That's the biggest change in the entire business of covering it was signing day was such a huge circus and kids went crazy. Fans went crazy. We went crazy. 
and it's not like that anymore at all. You guys know. So and now there's, there's two there's two signing days, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's good for business, but uh yeah. So all right, Braden, take care, bud. Yep. Thanks, guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Ari. So we spent the first part of the show talking about recruiting from a different era, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's time to dive back into the, the, the current year. And we say this a lot. I'm always concerned that like not a lot of things happen in recruiting and then always things happen and we have plenty of stuff to talk about. I think from a commitment standpoint, there's other stuff. we got mailbag questions. Don't go anywhere, people. But from a commitment standpoint, this might have been one of the slowest weeks uh, since we started Stars Matter almost a year ago. But I want to kind of back up a little bit. This is out there. Obviously, anyone can go look. But sometimes it's good to just kind of regroup and look at the top 10 classes because uh, there's always a lot of movement. So right now, we got Alabama, Texas, Notre Dame, Ohio State 4, Georgia 5, LSU 6, Oklahoma 7, Clemson 8, Miami 9, and Florida is 10. And the interesting thing, those 10 classes in a different order are are all in the average player rating. So there's no class out there that's like 17 where, you know, but the average player rating is really high. So these 10 classes right now, all these teams have between 17 and 22 commitments. There'll be some movement in the bottom part of the top 10, but it looks like those 10 are going to be in the picture or in the range to finish with top 10 classes. So there's, you know. I don't know if you're looking at the list or you paid, you know, I don't think there's any surprises on that list right now. Um, You know, maybe Oklahoma being seven with a new staff and all that and and Florida rallying late for number 10, but anything jump out to you on that list? Well, um, the thing that jumps out to me is that Texas is only one of two teams that has uh, more than two five-star commitments. Yeah. Let me, let me jump in real quick. It's interesting because they're, they have that top end talent with two five stars. They are six. They're two overall in class. They're six in average player rating, which is obviously still very good. Yeah, I think AM AM has twice or three times as many top 100 players total uh, than Texas, and they only have nine commits, and Texas has 22. So, you know, but they also have three five star prospects. Alabama's got four. Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Georgia have one. Oklahoma and Clemson have two, and Miami has one. So, um, Florida has 20 commits, and they've got 18 four star prospects. But like you said, all of them have over a ninety, um, a ninety-one average player rating, which means they all have staying power. Especially now that they're all either in the upper teens or the low twenties in total commitments. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Penn State or Tennessee or USC or Oregon or or any of these other teams uh, make a, a late move. Michigan has fourteen commits um, with seven uh, three stars and seven four stars, but we're starting to get closer to the period of time where the final rankings this year are going to come into picture a little bit more vividly. Yeah. And Texas A&M 47th overall with those only nine commitments, average player rating of 91.45. So they, their class um, would be just, if you're doing an average player rating only would be just outside the top 10. I talked about a lack of uh, big time commitments this week. There have been some big decommitments and this happened. We recorded last Tuesday. Some good commitments, Mitch. Okay. we'll get to them. Um, But I think the biggest news, and this happened, I think the day after we recorded last week was and not a huge surprise was Keon Keeley, the the five-star edge from Tampa uh, decommitting from Notre Dame, uh, number nine overall, number one edge. And you wrote about this in in your mailbag, uh, Notre Notre Dame, whatever happens to the Irish, they're going to finish with a good class. It's just, is it going to be an elite class losing Keeley obviously hurts trending towards Alabama but that was kind of the big decommitment news last week. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, what's your take on them now? Somebody asked me a question of if Notre Dame loses Bowen and loses Keeley, how do you how does that re um, jigger your brain into how you you break down Marcus Freeman? I mean, does it change anything for you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because it was the opinion or your view of Notre Dame was so high because he's a guy first year coach. Hasn't coached a game other than the bowl. Has a number one class in 2023. Has a number one class in 2024. We can't forget that. And then, okay, he loses uh, his top player, Peyton Bowen. Another five star is you know flirting. Don't know. So if you let's say you lose those two, it's still a really good year. And if you would have told me after he got hired he was going to sign the number seven class and it was going to have this many, you, you I think there's still ten top 150 guys. I'd be like, hell, that's a great class for a first year coach. But our expectations, our opinion of Marcus Freeman were so high because the two five stars, the depth of talent, the depth of top 100 guys. So it lowers kind of your assessment of what he's doing, but it's still very good. Yeah, sure. And it's like if you don't if you didn't have those on the front end, then you wouldn't miss them on the back end. But I think it is an interesting dynamic because, you know, my personal opinion had been that I think that if Notre Dame hits the right stride, that they would be a, be a team that could potentially win a national championship again. And then all of a sudden you've got a kid that's from the South um, decommitting and he's going to probably go to Alabama. And it just reminds you that they have to win six to eight of those types of battles a year in order to ever get to a point where they could be a legitimate national championship contender. So I'll pose the question to you. Do you think that Notre Dame will ever win a national title again? Yes, I do. Uh, you know, well, obviously that was, uh, that was pretty stern. Yeah, I do. I, I and I was never one to, you know, it was popular in the past. I'd say before even even the 2012 season when they got to the national title. Uh, I, I don't think there were many believers that year and they got blown out by Alabama. I, I think the recent run has kind of maybe changed some people's opinion. But during that run of the 2000s up into the mid 2000 teens, I was never a believer that, oh, Notre Dame's time has passed them. The sport is, you know, it's moved on from Notre Dame. I just think it's got so much to sell. You need the right guy to do it. Brian Kelly clearly elevated the program. They made the playoff twice. They, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing the Clemson. There's nothing wrong with losing Alabama in playoff games. Those teams are elite. They were getting to the point where they were knocking on the door every year, and they've got a coach now that's that's elevated the recruiting. Now we've got to see him coach. So is, and- that, is that like faith in Marcus Freeman for you then? It's faith in the it's faith in the brand of Notre Dame combined with the guy who gets the recruiting. Now I was just going to say we got to see him coach this year, and even if even if they even if he loses a game this year because he's a first year first first year coach and just does something dumb, like that doesn't mean he can't develop into a good coach. You know that's a tough place to learn on the job. Um, but yeah, because I think it's Notre Dame was always a team knocking on the door, I and mean, I know they had some bad years, but they've never been a, they've always been on like Penn State's level. Yeah, you know, they I were. Think it's, were they I mean, ever we, like a team that was bad? Hey, I'm going to call up their their football reference page. They, the, the problem with Notre Dame, they had a stretch there where they would just have some inexplicable home losses. Like every year, yeah. they would lose to Syracuse you know, And, and home. every team goes through stretches like that. But like we talk about so often on the show, Mitch, the, the hardest thing to do, and, and there, there's 20 programs who are fighting this battle. It's how do you go from being really good to great? You know, yeah. producer John Hayes who's listening in right now will be the first to tell you that Penn State's been in that mode for, for 10 years. They've always been very good, but they've been trying to get to great. How does Michigan build a, a team that can beat Alabama? How does Notre Dame do it? How does Florida do it? You know, Miami, USC, Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, all the blue bloods of the last 15 years. Everyone's trying to the, do it. Yeah. Well, that were on the cover of Athlon Magazine. Can't do it right now. And, so Notre- and it's we've created an uh, an atmosphere in recruiting that when when Braden was was doing it didn't exist, which is the hoarding of the talent at the top. So you have you have two ways of of hoping. If you're a Notre Dame fan, we're going to win a national title. It's a do you have a coach who could be a part of the hoarding, or b is something going to happen in the sport, whether it be a rule or Nick Saban retiring, who's not till 2090 now, <laughs> yeah. that will change that environment. And I don't know what's going to change that environment. So you need to find a coach that can elevate you. And that to me, I mean, Franklin's making a hundred million. Mel Tucker's making a hundred million. And if you look at it, I think Mel Tucker's only making like 
a million and a half less a year than Nick Saban. Like people are spending, people are trying to get into that club, but getting into that club is literally the hardest thing that you can do in coaching in sports. Yep. It's not even coaching. Yeah. Um, so Notre Dame in 2007, they won 10 games in 06, but 2007, three and nine, seven and six, six and six, eight and five, eight and five. So that's a that's that's a five year stretch where they were, I don't know, irrelevant. I mean, they went. Well, eight that's games a testament court. to what Brian Kelly did, and he deserves yeah. respect for that. Then, yeah, of yeah. like getting them back to the Penn State, Michigan, Miami, Oregon level. You know, like that second tier that's knocking on the door. If you're asserting that they were even below that at a certain point, but the question is, is do you think that Notre Dame can ever build a roster that could beat this year's Alabama team? Yeah. Um... This year's Alabama team, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess I'm kind of banking, answering the question that, that that Notre Dame will just build a consistent roster, and then maybe one year they've got the right quarterback. Maybe you know, maybe when you say yes, what are you banking on that they get into the elite or that the elite comes back to earth? Yes, <laughs> it's just I. I mean, I think they can win a national championship. I think they will win a national championship in the next ten years. Do you? No. Okay. I don't. I think they'll be very good. They're going to have better teams. But if they signed this year's class four years in a row, that wouldn't be good enough. And I don't think people realize that. Yeah. As great as Marcus Freeman has done, and as complimentary as I've been of his of his resume, eight players in the top 150 without a five-star prospect is not a national championship class. You need four four-star, five five-star. I mean, Georgia, I think, signed four or five five-star prospects five years in a row. And they barely won. You're very persuasive, Ari. It's it's just it's all math. Yeah, it's rudimentary math. Clemson won national titles without. Dude, I know that. Like I'm in Columbus, Ohio, right now, and I sat in Ryan Day's office for them for an hour on Tuesday, and the man has signed well, like 15 five star prospects in his tenure already, and Ohio State's gone seven years without getting a national title ring, and they're one of the teams that's recruiting at that level, and they still aren't doing it. They're missing the playoff. Do people understand how hard it is to win a national title in 2022? Because even if you create that roster, you're going to run into that behemoth eventually. And Michigan found out the hard way. Yeah. They did everything they could in the entire planet to create a team that cultivated a win over Ohio State. They kicked the shit out of Ohio State hmm. last year. They they kicked their ass. And then they got to the playoff and it was like, I'm not even – they found out that maybe Ohio State – wasn't the standard that it usually was last year. And they faced a team that was stacked with five-star prospects and they got their ass kicked. It wasn't even a game. You got to be able to beat yeah. that Georgia team. You yeah. have to recruit a roster that could beat that Georgia team because if it's not Georgia, it's going to be Ohio state. If it's not Ohio state. It's going to be Alabama. And if it's not Alabama, it could be Clemson. And even them, they aren't recruiting at the right level anymore. That team is going to exist every single year until the recruiting rankings flatten out. Yeah, I, I guess I would counter that by saying this is this is what Marcus Freeman is doing in year one in his first yeah, so cycle, you can, and you can buy into that. Yeah, you can so say, hey, you know what? This is a huge step forward. Let's say they hold on to Peyton, three, let's say they hold on to Peyton Bo yeah. Bowen, and then they've got five star. You know, they got a five star quarterback coming in two thousand twenty four. So um, I just don't know if there's a world where where Notre Dame wins five Keon Keelys in a single class when they can't keep one now. Yeah. Now, again, like you said, great, great steps forward. We always talk about that building a program isn't a one-year build. It's a six, seven-year process. And maybe in 2029, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman will hit their stride and they will sign a mega class and win a national championship in 2033. But in the near future, with the Mario Cristobal's of the world and the Dan Lannings and the Steve Sarkeesian's, even the AMs, who's in that second category now? AM just signed the greatest class of all time. They're not anywhere near winning a national title right now. They got to do that shit three more times. And then all of a sudden you can have that conversation. So, you know, the recruiting rankings in general, we fixate on it, but it's about the major context of the entire thing. Let's say Connor Wegman, five star quarterback at at AM, they hit on him. He wins the job midway through this year. And he's looks really good heading into next year. All those young defensive linemen, you know, they hit on 75% of them and they've got some great defensive linemen. 
You don't think that roster next year is good enough to challenge for a national title? I think that's a ten win roster. Okay, I think if if if, if the court if they get the right quarterback, maybe, conference, maybe yeah. attains King, maybe attains King is healthy this year and next year's a, a fourth year senior or you know, in or fourth year junior, I guess he would be. And again, some of those defensive linemen hit, and the, they, it wasn't just defensive linemen, wide receivers, Stewart, you know, some of those guys. That that I, I think that's a that's a roster that can win a national championship next year. But we'll how much is out. your house worth? I'll bet you my entire net worth against your house that they won't win a national <laughs> title next year. I'm not that, saying they're going to win a national title. I said that they have a roster that could win a national. They have to win their side of the SEC first. I'm aware of that. And even if they have a really good team, actually, they, they don't. They don't need to win their side to win a national title. I guess could not. lose to Alabama at home next year by one, by one on a bad yeah, call. I guess, yeah. I guess technically, and then they'd have to play him again. Yeah, yeah. You so you saying Jimbo can't do it? Is that what you're I, saying? I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm saying in order for me to get onto, they have a good enough team to do it. Train. You have to have the numbers okay. backing it first for me. Okay, I, I am a. I co-host Stars Matter. I am a disciple. I'm an Ari Wasserman disciple. I believe the theory. I believe everything. You're in the cult. Yeah, I'm in the cult. I'm it's a, I'm not a, a theory. That's okay. the thing that drives okay. me crazy. Okay. It's a I'm fact. In, okay. okay, I'm in the yes. cult. I'm a proud member of the cult. Where's our, you know, we need our own Colorado City, by the way, for this Stars Matter cult. I don't we know need where. to get some merch going. Yeah. Um, the only, the, 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 I differ from you in that, that looking at the Clemson team, I think if you hit on, if you have the right quarterback and you've got the right players in the right positions, you can win a national title if everything goes right with the right mix without four years in a row of, of stocking, stacking top five classes. What if those Clemson teams that they had that won the national championship this year started three years ago? Do you think they would have won the national title twice? So you think these Alabama, do you think Alabama last year was in Georgia last year were better than the Alabama teams they beat? Is maybe. that your point? I think they beat some pretty good. I think they, I think they beat. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe they would have won two out of four, but my, my, point is that the teams are getting more and more stacked every year and when was clemson's first national championship 16 I believe so 16 and 18 16 might as well have been three decades ago with the way that things are trending right now and people love the clemson example and you know what i sit here on this podcast at least once a month calling Dabo a genius for it yeah there's no question those teams were stacked they were awesome they had a they were great they great on the defensive line yeah they and, and they're, they were great and maybe that, and I could buy that. If you want to say Clemson would have won uh, last year's national title and the year before it with those teams, hands up, fine. I can accept that. They were great. That said, I am not a big fan of using Clemson as a as a well. Look, it's happened before because I don't view what's happening now in 2015 and 16 as the same era of football anymore. Okay, well, Texas A&M signed a class that's better than anything Clemson came close to. So that, that, That's uh, right. So they That's one. And they already have a good roster. Solid roster. Yeah. But they have to win the SEC in most cases no, beat they Alabama. Don't. But they, they don't. To. I mean, that's an assumption you're making. They don't have to win their conference to win the national championship. Okay. They can stumble. So you're already issue, issuing them a loss then. Like you're already conceding that they don't have to win their conference. And Jimbo said gonna... he doesn't want to show anything against Alabama in the regular season. He wants to be ready for the championship. Yeah. I mean, like if you're already like pushing back on they have to win it, then that's a that's a lack of confidence. No, you're, no, no, I'm not. You're making an assumption that they have to win the most difficult conference to win a national championship. They have to be a one-loss team yes. in the SEC, and that one loss has to come to Alabama, and it has to be a close game. And they have to get back in. So they don't play in the SEC championship game. And they have to win two playoff games. I guess in the realm of of today's sport, that could happen. But the way we're going to look at it is that in order for them to get there, they're probably going to have to beat Alabama. They're probably going to have to win the SEC championship game. And they're probably going to have to win two playoff games, right? Eight out of ten times, nine out of ten times. Is that team a team that can win those four games without losing one? Can I How add- good do you have to be to do that? Pretty good. Are they anywhere near that? I mean, I think they're near that. I don't think they're there right now. Okay, let me let's be specific because you like being specific. Okay. Because near is a broad term. How near are they to that to you? Well, right now they're not. Next year, I think they could be. That's kind of my point. We got to see their this they've With signed what? freshmen and sophomores. 
They've got, but they've signed top five classes in previous years as well. They've signed four straight top seven, right, seven or eight classes, right? I mean, I got the yeah. number. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, that, yeah, they're a very good team, and I think they're going to be very dangerous. And if they won the national title next year, I would be shocked by that. But it wouldn't be like a UFO sighting. It wouldn't be crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's. Good discussion. Let's move on. This is that not was fun. A, that was yeah. fun. I got kind of. I got kind yeah. of froggy. I know you. You were. You were. Yeah. I leaned in. La- yeah. La- you got a little lathered up there. Um, this is not necessarily recruiting, but this caught my eye. Luther Riches Richeson from Nashville went to Cincinnati. Class of twenty twenty two signing is in the portal already. Before the season even started, I so, saw that. Yeah, he that was, was like a that was a Dilfer kid, right? Yeah, that was uh, from Lipscomb High School. That was a he moved he moved from Denver, I believe, or from Colorado to to quarterback at Lipscomb. Had a monster senior season and had some good offers. Did it some, win the job right away and then bounced? Yeah, so uh, that's just kind of early to to, to bounce. Um, a couple of commitments: Alabama, Edric Hill. Uh, four-star defensive lineman from Kansas City, number 183 overall. Ole Miss, this was a good in-state get. Aiden Williams, four-star wide receiver from um, in-state, number 118 overall. The people are still waiting for your story on the uh, Oxford-Mississippi quarterback going to uh, um, c- committed to Utah that will continue to wait. Ohio State beat writer this week. Okay, sorry. Sorry to ask you to cover recruiting. Um, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, and then uh, oh, one more Demetrius Bell, another Nashville connection, four star wide receiver from Nashville, decommits from Michigan State. Tuck not coming there, losing a four star kid. Looks like Alabama is in the mix there. Um, anything else you want? I got a few. We got a, we've already we're probably already going along, but uh, got a few right, mailback, questions. mailback questions. Okay, um, this one's kind of weird, but I, I I wanted to talk about it. I like just. Weird. Justin N, while I don't expect Kent State to get five-star recruits, is there anything they can do to start getting consistently better recruits? I would say at a school like that, your only hope is to get like amazing skill players because Sean Lewis and they're putting up monster numbers and say, okay, I could go to a lower P5 school and whatever, play in a run-based offense or not play, or I could go to Kent State and throw for 4,000 yards or receiver, I could go catch 100 balls. I think that's at a school like that, as far as getting recruit, you know, kind of uh, getting recruits above your level, I think that's your only hope. Would you agree with that? Like, you're not going to go get, you're not going to get the defensive linemen away from a Big Ten school if you're Kent State, but you might get a wide receiver every once in a while. My personal opinion is that being a head coach in the MAC is the hardest conference to be a coach in, because you know, having lived in Ohio for as many years as I did, you know, and been to these campuses, you know, outside of Miami of Ohio and in Athens and you know, some of the other pretty ones that are in the school, they all recruit from the same pool of players. Um, evaluating these players is very, very hard because a lot of them don't even have profiles. And they're all being recruited by the same teams with the same visits to campus. A lot of them lack on facilities and 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 administrative financial buy-in. And to distinguish yourself from another one. It's hard. Now, Kent State, I think, is an interesting case study because they are really fun to watch. Like, they make Maction fun. I remember I bet, like, a, a Maction <laughs> under last year. That was dumb. And I think the total was, like, 83, and I didn't even come close <laughs> to cut covering. I think the score was, like, 44 to 38 at halftime or something. It was, like, <laughs> it was like, it was like insane. But it was insanely entertaining to watch. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was grueling to watch, but it was entertaining. Um so I think from that standpoint, you could convince a skill player or a quarterback, to your point, to do that. I don't know how any of those schools can distinguish themselves enough across the board to consistently win that conference seven out of ten years the same way you see Oklahoma doing it in the Big 12 or Ohio State doing it in the Big 10 or Clemson in the ACC. That's what makes Northern Illinois what they've done. Now, they what had they a, did a few insane. years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the fact that Northern Illinois did that was one amongst one of the more impressive things in college football for the last 15 years, in my opinion. So, yeah, no, it's a very good question. But if I were an emerging coach and I got offered a job to be the offensive coordinator at a really big powerhouse or the head coach of Kent State, I would take the coordinator job. I would do everything I could to climb the ranks by avoiding having to do that job. Is that a message to your buddy Brian Hartline? 
Oh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that he ever would do that. He's in a different he's position. Making over a million bucks yeah. a year, and right also now. he made so, he has I mean, NFL. Yeah. He played in the NFL. He's you know he's, he's yeah. I don't know what I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know him well enough to to speak for what he would want to do. But um, if he like became the head coach of of Kent State, I would be shocked by that. What so would Western you say? Michigan, Kent State, Miami, yeah. Ohio, Ohio U. I mean, they're all kind of in the same world. Now, Ohio U is beautiful. Miami of Ohio is beautiful. Um, but from a football standpoint, that's a really, really tough sell to me. On a scale of 0 to 10, what was or 1 to 10, we'll go, what was the reception for returning hero Ari Wasserman back in the Ohio State? A lot of hugs, a lot of surprised looks. Like, how'd that, guy get, how'd that guy get more handsome in the three years since he's yeah. gone? And I think it's, I can't believe that guy got a national gig, has a smoke show wife, lives in Dallas, and has a beautiful kid. And like, how did that idiot do that? And, yeah. and co-hosts this great podcast. And, 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 co- and is good enough at, at podcasting to co-host one with Mitch Light. <laughs> I'm sure that was what everyone was thinking. Um, no, no, one... all, all kidding aside, it was nice to see everybody. I'm and sure I said this to Andy before we started recording, but I want to say it to you. It's been very interesting to be back here alone. Because I'm back in the city that I, I live in. I used to live in for 10 years doing my old job. And this is going to sound sappy, but I genuinely miss my girls, my wife and my daughter. And it reminds me of how empty of an existence I used to have. I had a hell of a 20s. Okay, don't get me wrong. I got after it out here. Okay, uh, And I traveled with the Vegas, gambled my ass off, did everything that every 20-year-old would want to do. But I cannot say how thankful I am uh, to be in the position where I work with you guys and are on this podcast in a national role, and I get to go home to that family line. And like now I have a purpose in life other than to serve my own needs, which, you know, is nice. And I, and I feel very lucky. So I just wanted to say that. Uh, I'm going to shed a tear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we can go back to, to grab ass now. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who's now an empty nester and I empty nester and I've got nothing to look forward to because my kids aren't here anymore. Thanks. Thanks yeah, for making me feel bad. So you make, you can edit my stories at midnight now when I ask you. <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> yeah. no excuses. All right. One more. Um, and I just thought this was funny because it's just, you know, people don't pay attention. Sorry, Joseph J. Can you offer a mea culpa on issuing last rights on Florida recruiting? Don't look now, but objects. That. Huh? But objects are closer than they appear in the rearview mirror. Now, these are mailbag questions in Ari's written mailbag. So I, I would like to think a lot of the mailbag readers and question askers listen are to this aware podcast. Of anything that I've ever said ever. Right. But yeah. Ari okay. is the one has been on the Billy Napier gets it train. I'm the one who's been throwing out, hey, you know, you love what he, he gets it, but the recruiting world results aren't there until recently. Now they have a top 10 class. So I just thought this was it's the most it, aggravating thing that happens in my career. Yeah. When people say that I said things that I didn't say. Right. And you, you said the complete, it wasn't that you just didn't say yeah, it. Yeah. The exact You said opposite. the complete opposite. So, so okay. Yeah. I hate you. You, sh- you should have answered that in your mailbag and said, I don't know. No, what I, I've done that before and it, and it makes me look petty. So I'm trying to be a better man. Okay. I, I'm, I've been kind of, uh, I've been kind of known for fighting with people in the comments and, I don't know how you do it, man. And I need to stop. Yeah. I really do. Uh, we appreciate that. it before. Yeah. And I want to communicate with people. It, yeah. But sometimes I read comments and I'm just like, this is so incredibly far from anything that I think. And you saying that I said these things when I said the opposite just boils my blood. Yeah. Anybody who listens to the show or reads my stuff knows I think Billionaire Pierre is doing a good job. He gets He gets it. I don't think they can win a national title with this class. They've got a long way to go. Neither do I. We don't need to but argue about that. Marcus Freeman and Billy Napier and some of these guys are headed in the right direction. So, okay. and if you don't, if he didn't consume the stuff to hear that, then he's not going to listen to this. And we already just uh, spend more time on it. All right. One more quick one, because I want to tie it into one piece of content that we didn't discuss. Then we'll go to the trivia. Then we'll get out of here. Okay. Um, Philip M. Phillips M. How come South Carolina gets no love? Well, I wanted to bring up South Carolina. It was a good week for the Gamecocks. Two four-star, two top 200 defensive linemen. Xavier Hardy, four-star D-line from uh, Georgia, number 155 overall. And this is a big one. Xavier McLeod, a four-star defensive lineman from Camden, South Carolina, number 171, but number three in the state of South Carolina. 
uh, Shane Beamer and staff getting a top 200 kid from in-state. So good week for South Carolina. And, you know, obviously every position is important, Ari, but if you're in the SEC East and you can get two top 200 guys in a week, you probably would pick the defensive line. And I probably would have led the this week in recruiting with that. Um, but Mitch told me I have to do it so I could focus on uh, what I'm in Columbus, Ohio for right now. So that's his fault. It is. Um, we sent you up there to cover your beloved Buckeyes. So yeah, just for a few weeks, we will have uh, we will have Ohio State coverage this fall. Uh, uh, announcements coming later on that, but it was good to have Ari step in and Justin Williams, our Cincinnati writers, had a, has been he up did a great job too. Yeah, yeah, Justin's Justin's really really good at his job. All right, trivia. Last week I asked you to rank the top ten recruiting programs on average over the last ten years. Yeah, this week rank the lowest 10 P5 schools based on average class over the last 10 years. You don't need to get them in order. That would be very difficult. Just the 10 schools okay. that are in the, the lower the lower 10. Okay, Vanderbilt? Nope, not even close, actually. Oregon State? Yes, number four, four fourth worst. Okay. Average of 61.4. Um, Kansas? Yes. Worst, 68.2. This is hard. Are you just um, looking at a list? You're not cheating. You're looking at a list of Power 5 schools. I'm just looking at the Power That's 5 fine. school list. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Illinois? Correct. 62.8. Number five. Okay. Rutgers? Nope. How many did I get? Three so far? Yeah, you got three right, two wrong. Indiana? Not correct. Cal? Incorrect. That's incorrect too. Um, because they had some pretty good classes. Yeah. Um God. Mitch, I, I don't know, okay. man. I, okay. I uh hold on. I, I think I missed one of them. One of them that's not on my list is rather surprising to me. So wait a I second. Should... Syracuse. Syracuse is correct. They're number seven. Okay. Um I'm pulling up a list of power five football programs, so just give me a second. I mean, okay. I have to use I have to use a tool, um, in order okay. to have it all listed in front. Okay, of me. I did okay, not. I, I, I I'll give you a hint. I thought Washington State would be on there, but they are. They are that was my next guess. No, they're they're eleventh, so they're the fir first team out. Okay. Um, I'll give you a hint. My son goes to one of the schools. Oh, Wake Forest. Yes, that's they're they're number two. Answer. Okay, they're number two. They're number two is the worst, second worst. Yeah, that that's an amazing job by Dave Clawson. Amazing job coaching. Yeah, yeah. And also, incredible. he hasn't been there all ten years. So, um, is there an SEC school in there? There isn't, right? No, like Vanderbilt is by far the worst recruiter in the SEC. Okay, and they're they're twentieth on this list. Is they're my alma mater on there? It is not. Okay. Okay, we got. Two ACC, you need, there's two ACC schools, a Big Ten. Duke? Duke is 10th, yes. Okay. So you got one more ACC school, you got a Big 12, a Big Ten, and a Pac-12. So you got a little flavor all over the place. Georgia Tech? Incorrect. Um, ACC one you should get. Think Virginia. geography. No, think geography. Think Don Brown. Pipeline. Oh, BC. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's one more Big Ten one. There's a Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big Twelve. Rutgers is not on the list, huh? Purdue. Purdue is. Okay, and then there's another Big Twelve. Yes, and then Pac-12. And it's not Oregon State, huh? No, we already went. You already got Oregon State. That was like the first one you mentioned. Okay, and it's but it's, I meant not Washington State. No. Colorado. Correct. Okay. Ninth. And then I've got one more. Yeah, Big Twelve. Is it West Virginia? It is not. Okay, you tell me. I I wasn't very good performance by me. Kansas State. Kansas State. Okay. So Kansas, in order of worst to not worst, <laughs> Kansas, Wake Forest. BC, Oregon State, Illinois, Kansas State, Syracuse, Purdue, Colorado, and Duke. Okay. Well, the good thing is, is that even though that's not uh, that didn't make for clean podcasting, I think people enjoy trying to work through it with me. So yeah. So the, the longer um, you take, gives them more. Yeah, time. Yeah, that gives them more time to think too. So so you're you're, really you're, you're question. 
You're a man of the people. You're, Which you're one was the one that surprised you, surprised you the most on that list? That was on that list? Um, really, none of them. I think Washington State not being on there. Maybe Colorado. And I know Colorado has some financial issues yeah. with facilities and stuff. But that's a good. That's a beautiful place to go to college. I know they don't have a great recruiting base and all that. But Colorado should not be one of the 10 worst recruiting, to, to quote our friend Bill Landis, recruiting outfits in the country. Yeah. Cool. Okay, yeah. well. We had some microphone issues. We had some recording issues. Yeah, I, hopefully, this, I'm, I'm sure Johnny, as a producer, will we'll, we'll, we'll make this sound perfect and all that. But it was not the smoothest operation today. But and I think I, it was a pretty good show, and it was good that you brought Brayden on. We appreciate him. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we're really hitting the stride here. So stick with us every uh, every week, and we'll we'll catch you next week. That was Stars Matter, and, and catch you later.